for this opportunity to study your word. And we pray now your blessing on this time, Lord, that you would speak to our hearts, encourage us, strengthen us, direct us by your spirit, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. If you have your Bibles with you, please open them up with me to to the book of Romans, chapter 6. Romans chapter 6. I have a few other verses, in fact, quite a few other verses that I'll be sharing with you before we get there, but I want you to station there, and I'll catch up with you there in a few moments, and then we'll take a look at that passage. But we are engaged in a spiritual battle. Uh, The Bible teaches that, and if you've been a Christian for any length of time, you already know that. It's just almost uh, comes with the with the territory as we're trying to serve the lord as we're trying to live for the lord there's warfare there's a battle there seems to be something resisting us there seems to be kind of things against us it doesn't seem to be easy to to walk in the spirit to to live for the lord to walk in love to walk in the fullness of the things even though we desire them uh, it does seem that sometimes we are battling and engaged in spiritual warfare and it is a process None of us come to that place of complete spiritual perfection, not in this life. And none of us get there, none of us even become even remotely spiritual overnight. It's a process, it's it's a work of grace in our lives as we allow God to work and change and mold and shape us more and more into the image of Jesus. And that's what I want to look at tonight is just... Uh, to kind of recognize what some of the steps in this process are, specifically surrounding what we, we know to be a spiritual battle. And the first thing that I want to con- cons- you to consider with me is that you must recognize the battle. That's step number one, really. Recognize that there is warfare, that there are things that are coming against your spiritual life. And there is a battle actually raging even within you. There is a battle of the spirit against the flesh. Even those things that you want to do. Now you're, you're saved, you're born again, you have the nature of God, the, the spirit of God, and you want to live for God. And yet, you find even within yourself, let alone the exterior resistance, but even within yourself you find a battle raging. And we must recognize that battle if we're going to have victory. Galatians chapter 5 and verse 17 says this, For the flesh lusts against the spirit, and the spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary to one another, so that you do not do the things that you wish. Paul says in the book of Galatians, listen, there's something going on, flesh against spirit. He would also say in the book of Romans, chapter 7, verse 21, I find then a law that evil is present with me, the one who wills to do good. For I delight in the law of God according to the inward man, but I see another law in my members, warring against the law of my mind and bringing me into captivity to the law of sin which is in my members. O wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from this body of death? Paul recognized that there was an inner struggle. The spirit was willing, but the flesh was weak. Jesus said those words, in fact, himself, when he was encouraging his disciples to pray with him in Gethsemane. He said, now be, be prayerful. The spirit is willing. I know you want to pray, but your flesh is weak. And sure enough, they, they slept through most of those opportunities to pray. I quote here again from Chuck Smith. I'll have several of his quotes for you tonight. We cannot know God's victory until we realize a war for control is constantly being waged within our members. 
between the Holy Spirit and our flesh. Our flesh is not yet dead, although we began to taste and enjoy the benefits of the Spirit when we committed our lives to Christ, and although the fleshly nature was taken off the throne of our lives, the battle is not yet over. And if you're an honest Christian here tonight, I think you would acknowledge, boy, that is very true. I know that the flesh has been dethroned. I'm certainly not living my life under the dominion any longer of the flesh. But boy, that old man still wants to kind of rise up and take control, take the reins and still have influence in my decisions. And there is something of a battle going on. And it is a constant battle. Think of the exhortations that the scriptures give us. Think of these things that we know are right and good, that we're called to love one another. That in and of itself is a challenge, isn't it? Our flesh, our heart, our spirit, yes, we need to walk in love. But then the flesh finds it hard to walk in love, especially with some that seem to be so unlovable, right? And it's difficult. And we find a battle. I know I need to love this person. I know I'm supposed to love this person. But, man, it's hard to love this person, right? Anybody know what I'm talking about? The Bible says that we should esteem others better than ourselves. I mean, really? Esteem others better than ourselves? That doesn't come natural. That's hard. That's a struggle. That, that, there's a wrestling. Boy, I got to make you more important than me. That, and I'm pretty important, you know. That's hard to do. We have to acknowledge that these things do not come naturally. Love your enemies. Oh, my goodness. Do good to those who hate you. Lord, are you out of your mind? <laughs> These things things seem almost impossible, and in our own strength, they are impossible. Let's look at this. Let no corrupt word proceed out of your mouth, not one. Lord, that's hard. Let there be no unforgiveness, resentment, resentment, bitterness, hate. The Bible talks about taking every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. Even the thought life we're called to. To walk in obedience to Jesus Christ. This talks of lust, of selfishness, covetousness, greed, envy, jealousy, all the things that we conjure in our minds. Take every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. Like Paul, I delight in the law of God, but I see another law in my members. My spirit and embrace, embraces and delights, but my flesh wars against the spirit. The spirit is willing, Lord, I want to walk in these things. But I must be honest, the flesh is weak. And so, how can we find victory? How can we really come into living in this way? Putting away those things that we know we shouldn't be doing and really walking in the things that God has called us to. It's not going to be easy, church, and in this life you're going to continue to have a battle. And you're going to have to battle your flesh Interesting passage, again, you're waiting for me there in Romans 6, and we'll be there in a minute, but there's a very interesting passage in Romans 8 that tells us about our spirit is redeemed, but our body is not. It says in Romans 8.23, not only that, but we also, who have the first fruits of the spirit, even we ourselves grown within ourselves, eagerly waiting for the adoption, the redemption of our body. For we were saved in this hope. Paul tells us that although the work of salvation is complete, when Jesus was on the cross, what did he say? It is finished. 
There's nothing else to be done concerning salvation, but the full blessing, the full delivery, of, if you will, of the, of the benefits of salvation are not yet arrived. Aren't you glad to know that? Aren't you glad to know that this is not the end of what God has planned? That there is still more to come? Nothing else that God needs to do to, to bring salvation's victory, but God has saved us in hope. That's what Paul is saying. We have the first fruits. Spiritually, we've become alive, but now we're waiting for the redemption of our bodies. There's going to be a time when even our bodies will be made new. Our spirit, our inner man, has been born again. We're born of the spirit. We're new within, but the outer man is waiting for that fullness of salvation, that fullness of redemption. And during that time, while we wait, there is a battle. This old body wants to, you know, it still has its desires, it still has its cravings, it still has its shortcomings, and it wants to dominate my will. And it wants to rise up and push the spirit aside and take charge again. When before we were saved, that's the way we lived. We lived really just subject to our own desires and our own passions, our own lusts. We were really not able to have a freedom of choice. We thought we were doing whatever we wanted, but in reality we were doing, we were serving the the lusts of the flesh. We were really walking in the things of the flesh, the carnal man. But salvation has set us free from that. First John chapter 3, he says this in verse 2, Beloved, now we are children of God. And it has not yet been revealed what we shall be. Again, this idea that there's more to come. But we will know that when he is revealed, but we know that when he is revealed, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. There's a day coming when we will be like him. You remember Jesus in his resurrected body. Very different than, although he was recognizable, that he was able to sit down and have a meal with the disciples, and yet... There was something special about this resurrected body. He could appear all of a sudden in the room. He could vanish all of a sudden. So there was some some different kind of qualities about this redeemed body. Jesus, of course, is the first fruit, but we have this hope as well. And even the Apostle John says, children of God, in time, you're going to be like him. And so we're not surprised, we should not be surprised, that we are not yet perfect because we're not the, the, the process of redeeming our bodies is not yet completed. We still make mistakes, don't we? We still are being changed into the image by the process of His grace working in our lives. So I think that's number one. Recognize that there is a battle raging. There is something going on, and your flesh is not willing to just completely allow you to be led by the Spirit, not without its fighting and its cravings and its, you know, kind of trying to claw its way back into the will. So you have to recognize that battle, and that's step one, so that you can begin to learn how to walk in victory in this life. The second thing, and this is what we'll look at now in Romans chapter 6. So the first thing is recognize the battle. Number two, reckon the old man dead. Reckon the old man dead. There was an old Clint Eastwood Western, and he said that the whole, he said that through the whole movie. I reckon so. You know, with kind of the Clint, I reckon so. You know, the cool Clint kind of way. 
Well, it is a biblical word. I don't think he knew that, but it is a biblical word, and I want you to see this word reckon. Pick it up with me, Romans chapter 6, starting in verse 6. Knowing this, that our old man was crucified with him, that the body of sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves of sin. For he who has died has been freed from sin. Now if we died with Christ, we believe that we shall also live with him. Knowing that Christ, having been raised from the dead, dies no more, death no longer has dominion over him. For the death that he died, he died to sin once for all, but the life that he lives, he lives to God. And here it is, verse 11. Likewise, you also reckon yourselves to be dead indeed to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Something happened when you embraced Jesus Christ by faith into your life. You became identified with Christ, both in his death and his resurrection. Something was put to death the moment you turned your heart to Jesus. It was the old man, the body of sin, the old way. When we come to faith in Christ, it's, it's not just coming to, to, to newness, but it's also a putting away of the oldness. There is a tire, I'm, I, you know, I don't want to live this way anymore. God, I've been living in my own strength. I've been trying to do it my own way. I've been trying to live in my own wisdom. And I've been pursuing my own interests. And I find them to be just you know, empty. And I'm frustrated. And it, it's leading me into bondage and chaos and, and, and despair. I need a Savior. Lord, save me from the, the, my own way and my sins. Forgive me, cleanse me, and fill me with your Spirit. I want to walk in newness of life. I want to walk in the fullness of life that you have provided through Jesus Christ. And so the old man is dead. Dead men do not crave things, right? Dead dead people typically don't get thirsty. Dead people don't have a desire to, you know, uh, do anything. They're dead. And this is the imagery. Light, you need to reckon. And this is the Greek word where we get our word logic and uh, it, it comes from the Greek word logizomai. Logizomai. Do you see, did I get it up on the screen for you? Very good. To take an inventory, estimate, conclude, account, esteem, impute, impute number, reason, reckon, suppose, think on. It, you, you need to consider the old man dead. He's gone. He's dead. He no longer. He, he has no longer any place in my life. I'm not going to be serving him. I'm not going to be under his control any longer. He's dead. Reckon yourselves. Consider this done. It's it's a mindset of faith. It's it's a mindset that says sin no longer has its power over me. It is no longer master over me. Jesus Christ has broken its dominion over my life. It doesn't say that you will always feel like the old man is dead. It doesn't say that, you know, you'll never hear from the old man again, but it says for you to reckon him dead. It's an important kind of step of faith in your own walk with the Lord. The old man has got to go. I'm not looking for ways to accommodate him. I'm not looking for ways to blend him into my Christian journey. 
I'm not looking for ways to kind of find that balance between the spirit and the flesh. The flesh is dead. He comes and is put to death at the cross. And any desire for those old things, any desire to walk in those, you've got to crucify that old man. You've got to reckon him, consider him, believe him, esteem him, reason him, suppose him to be dead. The old man is gone. It's a mindset. And Paul had this same mindset for himself in Galatians chapter 2 and verse 20. I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. This is an important point of doctrine, and I, 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 I want to pound it just a little bit because it's, it's such a pivot point for walking and living victoriously as a Christian. If you don't reckon this, if you don't consider this, you're going to be constantly kind of living in both camps, kind of the old man, the, the new man, and, and you're, never, you're going to have this blended kind of lukewarm Christian experience. You've got to reckon this man dead. Now, the grace to do it, the grace to have the victory, it'll come from God. But what you and I must do is we must at least have the right mindset. We must believe this and receive it by faith. I want to believe that, Pastor, but the old man seems very much alive in my life. The old man was raising his head just just today. The old man, he wasn't anywhere near the grave, best I could tell. He was out and loose. (laughs) And I understand, I understand that we do wrestle, and that's the battle. But there must be this, this recognition that, no, he is dead. And, he go, and I have crucified him. Paul said, I have been crucified with Christ. Do you think Paul was perfect? No. Do you think Paul had, mis- had struggles and, and wrestled at times? We, we know that for, from other passages. But in his mind, I am crucified with Christ. That old man, who I was, what I used to be, all of his ambition, all of his... I put him at the cross. And the life I'm living now, even though I'm still in the flesh, I'm living it by the faith that I have put in Jesus Christ. I'm walking in newness of life by the power of His Spirit. Again, I quote Pastor Chuck, Our job is to recognize this as truth. If the desires of the flesh were not still a factor in our lives, we would have no need to reckon that old man, that old nature died with Christ. Whenever we encounter an area of the flesh that still controls us, we need to honestly acknowledge that the battle of the flesh and the spirit remains in us. We need then to bring the specific area of weakness to the cross and reckon it crucified. Turn it over. Put it to death. Lord, I want to be rid of this. I am crucifying this part of my flesh to the cross. I'm considering it dead. And I want to walk in newness of life. Help me, God, by your grace. Reckon the old man dead. Number three, realize your weakness. Realize your weakness. Put no confidence in the flesh. When we imagine that we can defeat the flesh by the power of the flesh, we are still in the flesh. Does that make sense? I kind of wrote that out. I thought that was pretty clever. Let me say it again. When we imagine 
I want to try not to get in the flesh over this. <laughs> when, when we imagine or when we think that we can defeat the flesh by the power of the flesh, by our own strength, we're still in the flesh. If we think that we can do it on our own, if we think that we can just by willpower wrestle these things under, you're still in the old man. Pastor Chuck says it this way, probably better. Any attempt at godliness that arises from our own strength is a work of the flesh and is just as detestable in God's sight as the thing we are trying not to do. That's the dilemma. Oh, I got to do better. Oh, I got this problem that keeps kind of rising up. The old man, oh, Lord, I promise I'm not, that's never going to happen again. I'm telling you right now, that is, oh, I'm, oh, I'm going to do this. I'm going to make sure I'm going to, you know, I don't know, I'm going to put a rubber band around my wrist. I'm going to, you know, put alarms. I, I don't know, you know, whatever we think that we are going to do and we're making the, and you know what? God's not, in, God's not impressed and God's not pleased. Remember Peter? Oh, Jesus, the other disciples, they may deny you, but I will never deny you. His heart was in the right place. He was sincere, but he was in his own strength. He imagined that his own willpower, his own good character, his own Peter the Rock would, would never deny Jesus. And of course, he denied him three times, and the Lord had to bring him to the end of himself. Willpower, self-control, promises, vows, determinations, strategies, and disciplines. Our well-intentioned, best-laid plans fall short. Have you ever made a promise to God? Oh, Lord, never again. Lord, I promise that that'll never happen again. I don't know how this happened. I'm sorry. I, please forgive me. I'm promising that will never happen again. Or the other way. Lord, I promise I will always this. Lord, I'll be there. Lord, you can count on me. Lord, I'm going to be, I'll, I'll, I'm going to be at church every time the doors are open. Lord, you can count on me. I'm going to be in prayer every morning. Lord, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to do better. Try harder in my own effort and in my own strength. And what happens? So often we make these vows and we're not able to keep them. And then what happens? Then we feel even worse, don't we? Now comes the enemy's opportunity to bring in condemnation. Now that you've made that promise, now that you were so sure of yourself, now that you were so determined to do it for God, and have failed, now you really feel unworthy. Now, now what do you say? I can't promise. I can't even keep my promises. Now what do I say to the Lord? How do I convince the Lord that I'm sincere? How do I let the Lord know that I'm truly sorry? I'm not even worthy of His forgiveness. I'm not even worthy of His presence. I don't even want to go to church. I don't even want to be in worship. How can I even be, be, show my face before God? And now the condemnation. And this is the trap of the enemy taking advantage of those who are trying to walk in in the flesh. That are trying to please God in their own strength and in their own effort and in their own desires. Nothing wrong with with your motive. Nothing wrong with your sincere desire. But you cannot do it in your own strength. You must recognize your weakness. You must recognize that you are bankrupt when it comes to living for God. You can't do it. 
Listen, if you could, then grace would not be needed. If you could get there on your own, if you could do it in the flesh, why on earth would Jesus come to die on the cross to save us? Why would so much of God invested in a people that could have done it on their own if they just would have tried a little harder? You can't get there in your own strength. You must recognize your weakness. You must come to the end of yourself, just as Peter did. It's the only way to break this frustrating cycle. You must come to the very end of yourself and cry out to him for deliverance. Have you ever been to that place? Have you ever gone through the cycle of promises and broken and misstepped vows and and you come to the place where you just have to say, God, I can't do it. I want to, but I can't. Help me, save me. Redeem me, Lord. Rescue me from this wretched man that I am. And that is where the grace of God begins to find traction in your life. It's in that moment when you completely surrender and recognize, as Paul said in Romans, O wretched man that I am, who will save me from this body of death? Thanks be to God, through Jesus Christ our Lord, by his grace, by his mercy, by his spirit, by his power, he will change your life. He will give you victory. If you're in that trap, if you're in that cycle, it's easy to imagine or even begin to believe, I'll never get out. I'll never be free of this. I'll never be able to really come into the fullness of it. That's for others, never me. I can't do it. Look at that good Christian. Look at that strong Christian. Oh, I wish that I could be like that. But the truth is, we're all just sinners. We're all just wretched before a gracious and merciful God. Turn your heart to the Lord. Recognize your weakness. Cry out to Him. The Apostle Paul, in Galatians again, he said this, But God forbid that I should boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. Paul said, I've got nothing to boast in. I've got nothing. I've got no spiritual attainment that I can claim. I've got no, you know, victory over the flesh. Oh, I, you know, I've been, you know, doing it right and doing it well and haven't done this. And look at my checklist. Paul said, the only thing I can boast in is the cross of Jesus Christ. I'm saved by his grace. I'm saved by his mercy. And any good that comes and works in and through my life, any real change, real change of character and nature, it comes from Him changing me by His grace and by His Spirit. And we come to the end of ourselves, and that's where the Lord really meets us again. I quote from Pastor Chuck, It is only when we admit our utter powerlessness that we find hope. When we finally turn to the grace of God, the Lord intervenes and begins to do a work that we could not do for ourselves. It is not until we find ourselves driven by desperation to a, excuse me, to a cry of helplessness and hopelessness that we begin to enjoy real victory in Christ. 
Maybe you're struggling tonight. Maybe you're wrestling. Maybe you're feeling unworthy. Maybe you're feeling like you're falling short, missing the mark. Don't imagine that you can somehow, by just doing better, trying harder, obtain victory. Turn to the Lord. Cry out to Him. Come broken and honest before Him and say, God, help me. I really want you to transform me. I want to change. And let me just say, God promises victory. You can change. Sin, the Bible says, shall not have dominion over you. Jesus didn't come just to forgive you of your sin. Jesus came to break its power over your life. Reckon it so. Reckon it done in Christ and begin to avail yourself to the grace of God. Ask Him to help. Ask Him to change. Recognize that you can do nothing apart from Him. Recognize your weakness. Finally here tonight, render to the Spirit. Render to the Spirit. Again, we quote from Chuck's book, the biblical prescription for resolving the conflict between flesh and spirit is not personal discipline or self-control. Power over the flesh comes only through a spirit-controlled life. We've talked about this before, but it bears repeating. Look to strengthen the Spirit. Let's consider some passages here tonight out of, again, Galatians. Galatians 5, 16. I say then, walk in the Spirit, and you shall not fulfill the lusts of the flesh. Learn to have the Spirit of God in your life. Learn to walk close to the Lord. As you walk in the Spirit, the Spirit gives power and strength over the deeds and and work of the flesh. Galatians 5.22, but the fruit of the what Spirit is love, joy. It doesn't say this is the fruit of trying harder and doing better. This is the fruit of hard work, willpower, and diligence. This is the fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. It's learning to be led of the Spirit. It's rendering your heart and life to the Spirit. It is a choice. It is a choice that you must make every day. Will I live today by the Spirit? Or will I live today after the flesh? Or am I not even thinking about it and I'm just kind of being a little bit lackadaisical about my spiritual life and journey? You must make a choice each and every day to render yourself to the Spirit. Galatians 6, verse 7. Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever a man sows, that he will also reap. For he who sows to his flesh will of the flesh reap corruption. But he who sows to the Spirit will of the Spirit reap everlasting life. And let us not grow weary while doing good, for in due season we shall reap if we do not lose heart. There is a sowing and reaping principle here that you and I have an opportunity to take advantage of. Sowing, what does that mean? That means planting, that means investing, that means making an effort to avail myself to the Spirit. 
I'm not fighting the flesh. I'm not willpowering myself over the, the struggles and the, re- and the imperfections of my flesh, which are many. No, rather, I'm sowing to the Spirit. Because if I'll sow to the Spirit, what are, what are some practical ways that we can sow to the Spirit? Well, certainly we can spend time in the Word of God. Certainly you, you can read your Bible. Certainly you can make that investment into spiritual life. Yeah, but I don't understand it, or I don't really have time. Well, my guess is if you'll make some time, and if you'll invest some time, you will begin to understand it. Ask the Lord to open your understanding. God, I help me to understand these things. Help me to read these passages. Begin to open them up to my understanding. Because I realize that if I'll... If I'll you know, put the Word of God into my heart and into my mind that there is a spiritual life and a spiritual power that is imparted to me through your Word. Didn't Jesus said that man would not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God? Don't be conformed to the world, but be what? Transformed by the what? Renewing of your mind. So, so to the Spirit. These are practical things that you and I can do. We can read our Word. You can read the Bible. How much time do you spend in the Bible? Now, I'm not saying this to condemn you, or I'm just saying evaluate. You know, we, we have there's 24 hours in a day. Okay, we need let's say you let's say you get a really good night's sleep. There goes eight. Most of us don't get that many, but let's just say you need you, you're one of the lucky ones that gets eight hours. What's that leave us? Sixteen. Hell, I got to work eight. I, I work long hours. I work nine, ten hour days. Okay, now you're down to. You know, six or eight hours left. Well, I got to eat. Okay, three meals. Let's just say you dine, take three hours. Okay, now you're down to five hours a day. Five hours. Anybody read their Bible in the last five hours in any given day of late? Not me. (laughs) You'd be surprised how the time gets away from us because we're, you know, we're distracted and we're doing other things. These are just practical things for you to consider. How can I sow to the Spirit? Put God's Word in your heart. Bible says, how can a young man keep his way pure? By keeping it according to thy word. Thy word have I hidden in my heart that I might not sin against thee. There's power in the word of God. Certainly prayer. Staying in communication with the Lord. Praying without ceasing. Be anxious for nothing. But in everything through prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Make your requests known unto God. We're too busy worrying. We're too busy trying to solve everything. We're too busy running around and upset and anxious and, and trying everything. And when we're all done and spent and nothing is working, then all we can do is pray. We should be praying. Pray. Spend time with the Lord. Part of your prayer life is, is a worship discipline. Do you worship the Lord? Not just, you know, the few songs that we sing in our, as, we, as a congregation. What about your worship life? Are you a worshiper? Bible said, Jesus said that God is looking for worshipers. The Father is seeking those that would worship Him in spirit and in truth. Worship is a way to sow to the Spirit because in so doing, you are communing with God. You're spending time with God. That's got to be good for you. That's, it is. It's, it's got to be healthy for our spiritual lives. Pastor, I don't know how to worship. I don't. Have, I don't know how to play music. I don't. You know, I'm, I'm, I don't have a good voice. Open up the Psalms and just begin to read them and just say, "Okay, Lord, 
put these psalms, let them be my, my personal expression of worship. And you find a psalm, and, and as you read through a few of them, you'll find one that kind of really seems to be kind of touching your heart, and you can identify with that expression, and you let that become your own personal praise and worship time. I'm giving you just practical pointers. You know, if, I, if I'm up in the morning and I'm not feeling like worshiping, I'll open up to the psalms, and I'll just say, Lord... I don't know what to say. I'm just going to say what some of the psalmists have said today. And I begin to read the psalms, and I find a spiritual strength. I find a sense of His Spirit. I find my heart communing with God. You can do it. Yes, you can. Surely you can worship the Lord. Many of you do, and I just encourage you. Become a worshiper of God. Draw near to Him in your prayer life. And, of course, fellowship. These are the fundamentals of our Christian journey. Fellowship is that coming together with other believers. I mean, if we never fellowship, if we never talk to other Christians, if we never come to church, if we never connect with one another, encourage one another, draw strength from one another, we're missing something. The church is likened to a body. A body meaning that there are different parts all contributing to the overall health. You have something both to offer into the body and you have something that you need to receive from the body. And so if you're going to be healthy, if the body is going to be healthy, we need to fellowship. We need to come together, encouraging one another, looking for opportunities to serve one another, love one another, pray with one another. These are the fundamentals of your Christian life and journey. If you will sow to the Spirit, God has a promise for you. And I'm giving you some practical thoughts of sowing. God says, if you'll sow to the Spirit, you will reap everlasting life. God will give you that grace to walk in those things that you long to walk in. Maybe you're having a hard time walking in love. It's not easy. Maybe you're in a real situation where, you know, you know you're supposed to be loving and it's hard right now. Maybe it's a marriage. Maybe it's a relationship at work. Maybe it's a family member. And you're struggling. You're not going to be able to muster up love in your own strength. You're going to have to draw from the love of God. You don't have it. You have to draw from the strength that God has for you. You have to tap into His resource, His grace. I need His love in my heart. Lord, You fill me with Your love. How do we love our enemies? How do we do good to those that, are, that hate us and treat us poorly? <laughs> Only by the grace of God. Only by the grace of God. Lord, You must work in me first and then working through me. And so I'm sowing to the Spirit because I want to reap that. And I like what he says there, let us not grow weary while doing good. For in due season we shall reap if we do not lose heart. That's the hard part, isn't it? Okay, I planted yesterday. I went out and looked today. Nothing's growing yet. Lord, come on, how long am I going to have to sow to the Spirit? I was prayed two or three days in a row now. You know, this is the way we are. We want to plant and reap a harvest the day after tomorrow. It doesn't work that way. Don't grow weary in well-doing. Continue to walk in the Spirit. Continue to sow to the Spirit because in due time, you're going to reap if you don't grow weary, if you don't lose heart. These are promises, this is God's word to you. 
God keeps his word. You can have this. You can walk in this. You can enjoy the fruit of this. You can have victory over the flesh. Oh, not all at once. And not, I don't think in this life, not ever completely, totally perfect. But we can progress and we can see growth and we can mature and we can see change. The grace of God changing and working in our lives. And this is what God wants for you. God wants you and I to walk in joy, in peace, abundant life. Isn't that what Jesus promised? Isn't that what he was inviting us to? Come, I'll give you rest. Come and rest in the goodness and the grace and the power that I have for you. Come and put the old man to death and walk in newness of life. Abundant life, joy. Out of your belly will flow rivers of living water. You'll be a a constant resource of the Spirit of God in your life and through your life. This is God's plan for you and I, that we would walk in this grace. Stop feeding the flesh. Start feeding the Spirit. A final quote here from Pastor Chuck. In His grace, God has made it possible for us to enjoy consistent victory. Still, this side of heaven, the battle never ends. Each day presents the choice we each must make. Will we live for the desires of the flesh? Or will we yield our lives, render our hearts to the transforming power of the Spirit of God? You can make that choice. God has made all the resources available. God has supplied the grace. You don't have to do anything to earn it. It's free. It's yours. Just come. Come and receive it. Come embrace it. Come allow God's goodness just to fill you with it. Recognize your your own weakness, reckon that old man dead, and come render your heart and life to the power of his spirit. It It is heartbreaking to see in the church of Jesus Christ today how many of us are not walking in the fullness, in the victory, in what I believe the Word of God promises to us as believers. We're struggling, we're wrestling, we're down in that kind of half-in, half-out kind of a existence, bound up in the things of the flesh. These, these are the, this is the, the road map through God's Word. It's not, what, it's not where you have to live. God has something so much better And it's not by anything that you must do, but rather it's by everything that he has done for you, by grace. Let's pray. Father, we we consider tonight these passages that call us to enjoy the fruit of everlasting life. And Lord, I I want to pray for all of us here tonight because I, I know that all of us are in this battle. None of us escape this wrestling, the old man wanting to kind of rise up and take the throne 
of our will back from the Spirit of God. And so, Lord, all of us can can find, I think, instruction here tonight. These are practical things, but they are spiritually powerful things. Lord, you've promised us that we would have victory, that sin would not have dominion over us, that we could walk in newness of life, that we could walk in the fullness of the Spirit, the joy and the peace of the Lord, empowered by the Holy Spirit. And Lord, this is our desire. We pray tonight that you would help us not to do it in our own strength, but rather to avail ourselves to the grace of God. And as our heads are bowed here today, I want to give an opportunity for some that may need to respond to the Lord's word tonight. It may be that you are here tonight and and you don't have a relationship with the Lord. You may know about the Lord, but you've never really received Him as your Lord and Savior. You've never come to faith in Christ. I certainly want to give you an opportunity to respond if God is speaking to you and you want to give your life to the Lord. And I'll start there, and then I want to pray for for something else. But if you're here tonight and you need the Lord, or you need to rededicate, recommit your life to Him, Would you raise your hand so that I can see it and I'll pray for you? God bless you, sir. Anyone else? The Lord is speaking to you. You need the Lord tonight. God bless you. Right there in the center. And you, ma'am, as well in the center. Sir, in the back. Amen. Anyone else? This is a prayer for those that that need to receive Jesus or they need to rededicate their life to Jesus. Just before I pray, anyone else? Bless you, sir, over my left. Amen. Also in the back there. Let me pray for those hearts that have responded. Anyone else, just before I pray, Lord, speaking to you, you want to respond. Father, we thank you for these hearts tonight that are wanting to respond to your word. And Lord, it's a, it's a word of hope tonight for them. It's a word of salvation. And so we come to you tonight, and Lord, on behalf of those whose hands have been raised, Lord, I, I would pray this prayer for them. Lord, forgive us of our sins. We acknowledge and recognize that we fall short and we miss the mark. And we're asking, Lord, that you would forgive us, not by anything that we've done to deserve it or anything that we've done to earn your mercy, but simply because you loved us enough to send Jesus Christ to die on a cross for my sin. Forgive me by the blood of Jesus. And Lord, I'm asking you not only to forgive tonight, but also to break sin's power, that I would have now a heart to live for you. Work in me, Lord, I am desperate tonight. I do confess I need you. I can't do it, I can't be it, I can't become it, apart from your grace in my life. Help me to live for you. Fill me with your spirit. Help me to walk now in this newness of life. 
I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, I do want to pray for one final thing here tonight, and then I'll close us in a song of worship. I want to pray for those of you that may be in that trap of condemnation. I kind of described it a little bit tonight. You're on that treadmill. You're trying your best. You're trying hard. You're, you're, you're doing everything you know to do, but you're, you're just you're feeling condemned tonight. Because you're not making the progress you'd hoped. You're not making the promise, you know, the, the progress you'd even promised. <laughs> and you're feeling the sense of guilt and shame. You're feeling unworthy tonight. You're feeling like, why would God have anything to do with me? As much as I've tried, as much as I've made effort, I just can't seem to, to be pleasing to God in my own strength. And the truth is, you never will be able to do it in your own strength. But I'm hoping that tonight that these, these scriptures and this, 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 these passages have encouraged you to surrender on that, to quit on that, get off that treadmill, and receive the mercy and the grace that God has for you. Listen, He loves you. And He is so willing and delighting to give mercy. He wants to forgive you. He, he's, he's forgiven you even before... It happened in his heart. He'd already prepared to forgive you. The Bible says that if we will confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us. When we sin, we don't, God's not looking for promises. God's not looking for, you know, you know, some assurance that it'll never happen again. God's looking simply for you to confess and acknowledge your sin, and he is faithful and just to forgive you. So I want you to receive that in full confidence tonight. But I also want you to surrender this effort, this work of the flesh, this trying to be, you know, something in your own strength. And surrender yourself to the Lord. Say, God, I'm done. I'm finished. Help me. I want, I want you, by your grace, to do the work in my life. If that's describing your heart tonight, I want to pray for you. There may not be any of you. There's at least one here. Anyone else? <laughs> God bless you. God bless you. Quite a number of us. Yeah. Amen, sir. Anyone else that I didn't get? God bless you. Bless you in the back. Okay, quite a few. So it seems that the Lord wants to speak to that tonight, doesn't he? It seems like God is trying to rescue you out of that place. Now, grace is not a license, okay? Grace is not some um, free pass to now go out and live sinfully and never have to worry about it again because where sin abounds, grace does much more abound. But I don't think that that's where most of you are. If you're in that place, that's a different problem. You need a different kind of prayer. But if you're here tonight and you really do want to live for the Lord and you really have a desire to live for the Lord, but you are just struggling and wrestling in these things and the guilt and the shame and the condemnation is, is just almost more than you can manage, I'm telling you, God wants to set you free. God wants to break that power tonight. Let's reckon that old man dead. Let's recognize our weakness. Let's cry out to him and let's make a decision right now to surrender it to Him and allow Him to pour out and work that grace 
that is so available for each and every one of us. Let me pray. Father, we thank you. We thank you for the abundant mercy and the abundant grace. Lord, I don't think that we we could ever really probably adequately describe the love. Paul said that it's past knowledge. <laughs> we can't really describe how much you love us. We can't, you know, how do you describe the mercies that are new every morning? Loving kindness that is from everlasting to everlasting. It's eternal. Lord, you're a, you're, the, the grace is abundant. The grace is enough. And so tonight, Lord, I pray for those that are wrestling and struggling with condemnation. First, that they would settle in their heart tonight that their sins are forgiven. God, you are, we confess our shortcoming. We confess our failure. We know, we believe by the word of God that you are faithful and just to forgive us. We receive it now by faith. And Lord, we are also surrendering ourselves completely to your grace. We can't do it. We can't do it on our own, our own strength. We are now going to just yield ourselves to you. We're going to rest in the grace. We're going to sow to the Spirit, believing that your Holy Spirit, your grace, your power will transform and change us. Lord, we believe it because you've declared it in your word as a promise. So, Lord, help these hearts tonight. Set them free. Break this yoke, break this, this frustration, this treadmill, this, this cycle that the enemy and that we get ourselves into, Lord, in our own, stre- our own you know, carnal efforts to try and do better and help us to just receive the grace of God. We can't deserve it. I can't promise you anything that would make it come to me faster or more available, Lord. I just have to receive it. And Lord, so tonight we receive these things by faith. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Would you stand with me tonight? I'm going to close us in a song of worship. If you're here tonight and you need prayer beyond just our corporate prayer that we've just done, we're going to certainly invite you to come and pray with us here. We'll be available after the service. But uh, let's just close and, and worship the Lord. Now this brings back memories of the old days. Put down the Bible, pick up the guitar. Oh, what a blessing.
tonight, Lord. We declare your great name in our midst. We worship you. We honor you. We exalt you. Father, pour out your grace upon your people tonight. May we go in grace. May we go in your favor and blessing. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. God bless you. Have a great night.